and welcome to Beauties and Headcanons, where we're nerdy and you probably are too. I'm Tegan and I'm here today with Lindsay and we're here to talk nerdy with you about the finale of the book of Boba Fett. Um, I know I had teased uh, last week that we were going to talk about the meta of monsters, but uh, I totally, f we totally forgot, it just slipped our minds that the finale of the book of Boba Fett was going to happen this, well, technically now this past week, and we really did want to record an episode on that, so we decided to just push out uh, that particular episode, and we're just going to go ahead and jump into the Star Wars series that we just finished up. Um, obviously, we're going to be talking about spoilers for the entire series, uh, especially since we haven't really had a chance to even talk about the series yet. <laughs> we've, we've just been doing so many other things that we wanted to talk about and do episodes on that we just haven't had a chance until now. So here we are, finally. Uh, we just had the series finale. We have both watched it. We've watched the whole, um, we watched all of the episodes. And we're really excited to talk about the series, our impressions, our expectations, if those expectations were met, what we would have liked to see, <laughs> what we want to see maybe in the future, and also uh, potentially the future of The Mandalorian, because um, with the way that it ended, it seems like it's going to be some interesting setup for season three of The Mandalorian, so... <laughs> Right? I've got feelings about it. <laughs> I know. So many. So many. Um, both good and bad feelings. Um, we, we deal with both. So, uh, overall, though, what, what was your impression of the book of Boba Fett? Like, did you enjoy it? Was it not enough for you? How, how did it land? So, there are... Um, I, I have this ongoing joke um, through every show that we watch with uh, my fiancé, Jason, where when you know how something's going to happen or how something's going to go, we make jokes about who wrote this episode. Like, you know, the, the, I'll say what I think the characters are going to say before they say it. And when they say it, I'll be like, Oh, I wrote this episode. <laughs> and I felt like that happened a lot mm -hmm. with uh, book of Boba Fett, just because I, and it's not because I felt underwhelmed, but that's the word that comes to mind mm -hmm. um, through most of the episodes I felt like it was um, sort of like a, a real long drawn out origin story mm -hmm. because we saw Boba in Mandalorian and we you know you got real excited I got real excited when we heard his you know telltale uh, the clicking of his boots like that sound yeah. that they made when he'd walk uh -huh. um, so we knew he was around um, in that episode. So, you know, like there were plenty of little like <gasps> moments in Mandalorian um, where we met him, when we saw Fennec Shand, when things happened. So I liked that we were getting um, a background story of him and uh, essentially that Boba's like the ride or die for whatever his cause is, whatever that cause may be mm -hmm. at whatever given time. So um, the first couple of episodes, I felt very much like, okay, cool. Uh, it was an underwhelming feeling. Like I, I was, I, I was excited to be watching something in the Star Wars universe, but mm -hmm. I wasn't blown away by anything per se. Um, and I did feel like it happened a lot where I wasn't exactly surprised by much until near the end, where um, things started to happen that made me more excited that I was um, more surprised by. So, mm -hmm. you know, when we see um, the 
the Jabba twins, um, or the Hut twins, whatever we're calling them, when we saw them, I was like, oh, this is, this is yeah. interesting. <laughs> and I don't know if he should be looking at his sister like that, but okay. Um, so there were elements that I was, like, real excited about, you know, being at Mos Espa, seeing the, um, the way people on Tatooine live. I was real immersed in it. And, you know, like, uh, we've talked a few times on the show about having like wanting to go to a park where you know people are fully immersed in that uh lifestyle and i and i'm aware that there's stuff in some of the southern states where people can do that (laughs) get it i know yes we get it i want to go i i know i'm 36 i know i want to go okay but it is still like really neat to see the rest of the world happening while the stories that we know and love have already happened so Mm -hmm. Um, being a mostly fair weather, relatively newer Star Wars fan, I didn't get to appreciate some of the things that um, my fiance got to appreciate, such as like when we when we saw um, the blue guy, Cad Cadbane. Cadbane, yeah. We saw him for the first time. Um, I was really like, uh, who is this guy? But also got the impression that he's scary and. Uh, a gunslinger type and so I hadn't you know I, I didn't read any of the EU where he was um, but I know that he's a big baddie and mm-hmm. um, a lot of like the the nods to the rest of the world continuing on made me really excited like I love the immersiveness of things and the uh, the guys who were um, uh, flying uh like the the air force or the air yeah the x-wings what are they even called They're, the the guys that were like they pulled over uh mando and or din and they were like um i'm gonna need your call sign like it was <laughs> yeah the new so cool. the new republic like, oh. the new republic would, uh pilots <laughs> yeah there would be these little new republic pilots that are making yeah. sure everybody's staying in check and sending the right the right data through their comlinks and stuff and i i just i really enjoy that like common folk type feeling you mm-hmm. know because i don't honestly believe that in the star wars universe i would be um you know a bounty hunter or uh i i would be lucky to be someone like pelimoto where i'm uh working with a bunch of little droid bots and yeah and, <laughs> getting by you know like i would be lucky to be someone like that but i'm afraid i'd be much less um so it's kind of cool to see the whole rest of the world happening and we got a lot of that with book of boba fett where yeah i i could see myself um being someone who would um be under his rule and have had had having had to live under java's rule like that that freaks me out but it also Mm -hmm. like gives me hope in a way where I could see myself in the universe where sometimes it's a lot harder when we're looking at um, Jedis and Sith and all the the, yeah. the big characters that we know where I wouldn't be someone who even got to like spit on the boot of Darth Vader you know like <laughs> yeah. I would, wouldn't have been one of those people so it's kind of cool to see what I probably would have been up to uh if I were on Tatooine. Oh, so, yeah. I, I, know. I just, I, I appreciate that the most about, about the series. Like, I, I feel like it was a very long drawn out origin story for Boba Fett, or I guess like a middle story for Boba Fett. Yeah. <laughs> but I, 
I I appreciated like the callbacks to when he was a little boy mm-hmm. and when he saw his, his dad go away and um, you know like the the fact that we see him now and we but we got to see what happened before we saw him again in Mandalorian mm-hmm. and um, to see the team up like I, I understand the necessity of the story and I appreciate it and I'm there for it um, so I definitely don't have like any ill feelings about that but I do feel like I expected everything that happened oh um, yeah yeah I, I how many episodes it was like I, I expected mm-hmm. what was going on the whole the whole time oh yeah I, I really agree with that now just as a preface like I, I am like like the biggest fan of Boba Fett. I have liked this character since since the original trilogy. Like, when I grew up, we only had the original trilogy and we had the expanded universe. There were no prequels. There, were, there was nothing else. You know, we had the first three movies um, and I was actually watching them and fell in love with them before George Lucas started, like, messing around with them, like, adding in the different uh, <laughs> the, the different, like, CGI stuff here and there. Like, I I loved the original trilogy, and that was all that we had for the longest time. That and, like, the books from the expanded universe. So, you know, Boba Fett, obviously, we got very, very limited information on, um, but I really liked his character, and I obviously I was really sad when, like, you know, he he fell into the the Sarlacc pit, but I discovered the expanded series, the uh, expanded universe. I was reading all the books, and I, I was really excited because I got to see, you know, you know, like little glimpses of the world. Like you said, you know, you experienced of the world with the series. You know, that's kind of like how the expanded universe was for me when I was growing up. Like, just getting a look into the universe and how life was like just for, like, ordinary people. You know, people who weren't necessarily Jedi um, or who might be like Jedi in training, what they might see, what they might experience, you know, things that they might have to deal with, um, different kinds of professions, different settings, different planets and species and, you know, aliens and all of that. Like that was such a huge draw for the expanded universe for me. So that in general and Boba Fett specifically, I have been such a huge fan of for so long. And when Disney acquired, um, Star Wars, and they essentially, like, you know, retconned the expanded universe into, you know, well, this is no longer a part of canon. I was like, no, just mainly because, you know, that meant that Boba Fett's fate was once again up in the air, and we didn't know what was going to happen with him, if they were going to keep him dead, if they were going to bring him back, and what was going on. So, obviously, I was super stoked when he made an appearance in Mandalorian, and I was really, really excited to see his own series. Um, But that being said, like, I, you know, I did kind of expect a little bit more for the series. Like, it felt kind of underwhelming just because of who Boba Fett is and his reputation, his legacy and everything like that. Like, I don't know, maybe because I'm such a fan of him, I see him as bigger than who he is in the universe. Like, I think that he would have a much bigger uh, reputation and respect than he did. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm totally off. Maybe I'm maybe I'm too biased to see that. Um, but but I agree. I, I did like... Um, the whole vibe, like you said, you know, with the world building and expanding and, you know, uh, I really did like how the first several episodes kind of like went in between like, you know, like the present day of him, like trying to figure out, um, 
you know, what's going on on Tatooine and kind of trying to assert himself as the daimyo. And then, like, flashing back to him and his time spent with the tribe of Tuscans and, um, you know, like, basically, like, how he survived the Sarlacc pet and everything. Because I, I know, like, you know, everybody always has the questions of how he survived. Um, I honestly can't remember. It's been so long since I've read some of the Expanded Universe books. I can't remember if they specified how he survived as well, or if it was just left up to a hand wave and, oh, well, you know, of course he got out of that because he's Boba Fett kind of thing. Um, but but I really did appreciate, you know, them going back and kind of like, you know, specifying, okay, this happened and that happened. And, you know, th this essentially this is how he got from point A to point B. So... I did, I did like that. I'm not saying I didn't, but I kind of just wanted more. Um, and I don't know if Disney is currently planning on doing more with the Book of Boba Fett. Um, uh, with the ending and how they kind of left things a bit open, like, I mean, obviously they resolved the major conflicts that arose in this series, but, you know, with the ending scene, um, with Cobb Vanth in the uh, Bacta tank, and then the Doctor, I can't remember, um, actually I'm not even sure if he uh, had a name, but the, the Doctor who put Finnick Shand back together, um, obviously, you know, it seems like they're gonna, you know, help Cobb and, you know, fix him up. I don't know if, you know, they're going to use that as a jumping off point for a season two, potentially. I know um, they haven't announced anything as of yet, um, as of this recording, uh, but, you know, they, they have left things a little bit open, so if they want to, they could potentially explore some more dynamics and conflicts for the people of Tatooine. Or maybe they figure, well, things have pretty much been wrapped up. Um, obviously, I would love to see more. I'd really like to see the Huts kind of come back and, you know, want, now that the Pikes are gone, maybe try to reassert themselves and maybe they have to deal with that. I don't know. Um, but overall, you know... I loved the series. Like you said, I was a little underwhelmed and I kind of expected more. There wasn't anything super unpredictable happening, but it, I think it was a bit satisfying in a way in that it kind of answered some questions and gave a little bit more backstory and just, you know, did some general world building, which, you know, as somebody who, you know, adores things like fan fiction who do who do that kind of thing for different fandoms, like obviously that's going to be something I'm, I'm all the way for. <laughs> so exactly though like that's that's one of the the coolest things is i feel like there's this opportunity now to blend everything into just one show we haven't even heard yet about like um you remember how cara dune was going to be in the raiders of the republic or yeah yeah um, of the republic yeah but i, I think have we they... heard anything about that show uh i I don't remember. Um, I'm not sure that they're going to be bringing her back, though, just because of her actress, or they might recast her. I'm not right, sure. Right, exactly. So, yeah, like, um, uh, I, I'm not sure. But, yeah, it, it feels like the book of Boba Fett was kind of like a segue into to where, like, you could connect different things that are going to be happening now in this universe. Because, like I mentioned, like, the way that they left off the last episode with Cobb Vanth, and especially with Mando, it felt like a real jumping off point for season three of Mando with Grogu reuniting with Din. And, um, you know, now he's essentially like not a part of the Mandalorians anymore or like the group of Mandalorians he was with. So my guess, this is just a pure guess, 
pure speculation on my end. But I think season three of Mandalorian may involve him trying to um, fulfill what he needs to do in order to reintegrate back into the culture of the Mandalorians that he was in before and proving himself as a Mandalorian. Um, and I don't know anything like I, I don't have any other speculation other than that. Um, but that's just kind of like a feeling and a general vibe that I get uh, based off of that. Well, right. And so, like, that's what was so interesting, too, is the, the callbacks to um, the Mandalorian way mm-hmm. um, and the fact that we also haven't seen Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan, yeah. yeah. There we go. So, yes. yeah, because we, we didn't get to see Katie Sack off at all. And so, like, yeah, I, I right. am... <laughs> I am wondering, like, if he's going to, like, try to actually go back to Mandalore and do what he needs to do to get back into the sect that he was in, or if maybe, and this is kind of my hope, he'll be able to forge, like, a path for his own, of his own, and be like, you know, it's okay, like, because honestly, like, you know, the times that he did remove his helmet, like, it's obviously a very big sticking point for him, and he has only done it, like, twice in the entire... That, that I can remember. He only did it twice because he took off his helmet once, remember, when he was wounded around the droid, which I don't think really counts because he wasn't around anybody else. Um, and then he took it off when he was on that uh, planet, um, when he was, like, undercover because, you know, to kind of, like, keep up his cover, he needed to do that. So it's not like he was just being disrespectful and just, you know, completely disregarding you know, the traditions that he was brought up in, like, it was literally, like, Which a part... Which is essentially what Bo-Katan is doing. Yeah, and so, like, I wonder if he'll be able to kind of find, like, a balance between the two, because, you know, I understand devotion and honor and, like, you know, following a certain, you know, set of guidelines, but when you're following that set of guidelines so rigidly, you don't have the flexibility you might need so i wonder and i hope if he'll be able to do that in season three and kind of like find that balance and be like okay well maybe i can prove myself but maybe i don't need to i hope (laughs) maybe i don't know yeah and so what's so interesting to me about all of that is is essentially like the idea like the old ideas the old ways maybe Mm -hmm. not necessarily being the right ways anymore and so i i actually think this is kind of a cool thing for us to talk about because of what we plan to be talking about our next episode or what we were (laughs) supposed to talk about this episode too because (laughs) there's an awful lot of that going on Uh um and even so like we you and i got onto a big talk about um the jedi path and oh my gosh yeah uh, a choice a choice that obviously Grogu makes mm-hmm. um, and why he even had to make that choice. And it's, it's kind of like a really interesting sticking point to me because especially like with the Mandalorian way, I, I feel like there's not a war, but a very divisive uh, moment coming here. If we didn't already see it where the whole concept of like having to have your helmet on all mm-hmm. the time and never taking it off that Din could have lied for crying out loud. He could have yeah. said, no, I've never taken it off. Like, exactly. The, there's nobody around to tell differently at this point. Like, yeah. everyone like else who, who's going to, who's going to say differently? Knows or could tell are yeah. gone. Exactly. And as far as like Bo-Katan's involved, he didn't take his helmet off in front of her. Uh-uh. So it's not like anybody really knows. <laughs> yeah. I think and, there's just uh, like, the one guy that um, he did that with. But... Out, so exactly. He's right, not. So right, exactly. Yeah, I, I felt that that was really, like, I, I don't know. I was having a lot of feelings that, that 
um, during those scenes because, you know, just the way that I grew up and everything, like, I, I, I understand that. Like, I, I really understand, like, you know, trying to cling tightly to something and that culture rejecting you for one reason right. or another. And so, like, I, I really understand, like, where he was at at that point in time, where he's, like, feeling kind of lost and everything. Like, he's, he's still... Tr- and he's still trying to, you know, abide by the ideals that he very tightly feels, you know, and follows as a Mandalorian, you know, where he says this is the way, you know, he still considers it his religion. Like, you know, even when he right. got on the cruiser, he's like, you know, weapons are a part of my religion. You know, like, he, he hasn't, like, just completely denounced yeah. anything, but he's just on the outside now. And I'm hoping that on the outside, he can gain an additional perspective to grow as a person as well. Because, you know, while obviously, you know, I feel that he's, you know, a bit of, he's an honorable character in general. I still feel that he has a lot of growing to do as well to be a little bit more independently minded as opposed to just blindly following tradition for the sake of tradition. Well, and there's also this element of like the Mandalorians who saved him, who took him Mm -hmm. in when he was an orphan Mm -hmm. are the Mandalorians we think of to not be the good guys like they're not the good guys Mm -hmm. they're the night watch like they're not good yeah (laughs) but they were good to him like yeah it's all about perspective it's very (laughs) like yeah so it's it's just kind of cool to like see the the sense of honor the sense of religion the sense of duty um that that shows up here right because even near the end, um, when we do see Mandalorian or when we see Din um, join up with Boba, mm-hmm. there's this like sense of I gave you my word, and um, well, I'm here until you fall, or mm-hmm. until we both fall, um, or until I fall, and it's it's such a cool like uh, it's it's a cool creed, mm-hmm. um, although it's it's I'm we're not used to seeing it, you know, yeah. I'm so used to seeing the me for myself and if you come along and we can serve each other then we can serve each other but until our allegiances don't serve each other anymore then uh peace out yeah (laughs) peace out bro scout you know like and it's it's very cool to see i i can't remember if it was the last episode or the episode before the last where Mm -hmm. um din looks at boba and says well i'm here until we're both gone like Mm I gave you my word. And yeah. it, it's such a cool, it's such a cool feeling. So let's go back to Grogu's choice where Luke yes. is teaching him and we get to, we get to see Ahsoka yes. for an episode and we get to see this like weird CGI Mark Hamill yeah. um, playing Luke. And I'm honestly not excited cool that they, yeah, I'm honestly not excited that they included that whole CGI thing with Luke like yeah. uh, it was it was alright for like a quick cameo appearance but like seeing him for like right. pretty much the duration of but an episode so it's like, like smug smiling throughout yeah. the episode I was like it didn't translate very well That's for all me they could do with the CGI face yeah. I was I was almost like glad he th- had they casted someone and just you know I've, I've we've, we've both seen the Sebastian Stan. Yes. I was about to say actually. <laughs> like photos. Yeah. And I I would have preferred something like that. Me like, too. I I really think they could do more for Luke and for Luke's development than CGIing 
Mark Hamill's face. Now, yeah. to be fair, Mark Hamill will always be Luke. Oh, yeah. Is Absolutely. Luke's voice. And Absolutely. I get it. Like, I understand the allegiance to that. However, I really thought the smug Luke's face the whole time that we saw him really didn't uh, translate well. Uh, yeah. Like you said. Yeah. But with the whole, like, choice that he gave uh, Grogu about how the the attachment that he has to Din mm-hmm. with the armor and Ahsoka being in on that, too really like left odd tastes in my mouth especially yeah. because the whole Skywalker family their entire story arc is based off of attachments and mm-hmm. the choices you make based off of the attachments exactly Anakin Darth Vader whatever we're calling him Anakin's whole like end his whole end was changed because of his attachments mm-hmm. like he was saved in the end because yeah. of his attachment like uh, so I'm just so, like, uh, we could get into an entire argument about it. In fact, I think I did at some point in time in the past couple days. Because oh, I of know. how upsetting that whole thing was. Because Luke, of all people... Should understand, should yes. Should know. He used that attachment in order to pull his father <laughs> back from the dark side. So, like, this whole thing that it feels like they're kind of retconning or, like, you know, changing the canon of attachments, just it feels so wrong and antithetical to what it was supposed to be. Because, like, and again, like, I'm a long, long time, long term fan that has been in this fandom since there were only three movies to even watch. Um, you know, it's never been that you can't have any attachments. It's that your attachments can't blind you to the big picture. Because, okay, going back to Empire Strikes Back, you know, Luke was on Dagobah with Yoda training. And he had that vision of Luke and, uh, or I'm sorry, he had that vision of Leia and Han in Cloud City. And it blinds him to the fact that Darth Vader is setting up a trap for him. Like, And like anybody in that position, obviously, you know, you don't want your friends to be hurt, but you had, he needed to take a step back and see that this is just a trap for one. For two, they're adults. They have made whatever choices they made. They can get themselves out, hopefully, you know, and even if they can't, like, you know, they know what they're doing. You know, you have to trust the other people as well that you know. And, you know, even though he went to Cloud City, you know, against Yoda and Obi-Wan's judgment, like, you know. He, he lost. He blatantly lost because Han was still encased in carbonite and taken to Jabba the Hutt. Uh, Leia did escape, thankfully, th- you know, thanks to Lando's intervention. But, you know, he faced off against Vader and he took a big L on that. And it's like, you know, it, it just totally turned everything around. Whereas in Return of the Jedi, you see he's in a much better and much healthier place. And he he is able to use his attachments to, you know... To kind of step back and take a look at the bigger picture. He's able to, you know, think things through a little bit more and act in a way that will really help everybody in the end. So, you know, he goes after Han. He puts together a whole plan full of contingencies as well to rescue Han from Jabba the Hutt. You know, he helps out the rebels and everything like that. And he goes after his father. You know, if he hadn't, you know, given in to those attachments at all, would he have even done any of that, you know, or would he have just gone to, you know, gone back to Yoda and just, you know, sequestered himself on Dagobah and would the rebels have even won? Like, it's just, I don't know, like, it it was never about 
not having attachments at all. It's about not letting those attachments blind you to what might to what else might right. be going on. Same thing with Anakin because right. now obviously the prequels I don't think related this as well. Um, but it was Anakin's, you know, allowing his bond with uh, and his attachment to Padme blind him that turned him to the dark side. Whereas if he had just stepped back and, uh, you know, allowed things to happen, he might not have ever turned to the dark side at all. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, that's a whole other speculation that we could probably build like a whole episode off of. But the whole thing with Luke saying to Grogu, you can choose, you know, this gift, which made me extremely mad that he presented this gift that was meant to be for him no matter what as a choice. You know, in other words, like, if he doesn't choose this, then you don't get this. Like, no, that is a gift for Grogu, Luke. That is not your decision to give that to him or not. Like, mm, that that made me extremely mad. But, like, you know, giving him this choice of being able to stay and train or leave and go to Mando. Like, I mean, he left. He left, you know, Yoda for a long time. He didn't return to Yoda until Return of the Jedi and, you know, to kind of, like, do a little bit more training. Like, he he himself has left. And, you know, obviously, like, you know, he didn't leave in a good way, but, you know, it's not like you can't leave and come back. Ahsoka knows and understands this, knows and should understand this. So it's like, right. it, it seems so antithetical that he's now trying to take this stance of, either or it's you know this or that like that sounds like an absolute and i mean you know who deals in absolutes right i mean ahsoka should know who deals in absolutes that's sith you know like mm-hmm. I, I don't know like i i, I really don't so, like where they're what? going with this i'm just gonna play a little bit of devil's advocate here because okay. we've seen luke as a much older man as oh, a much yeah. older jedi and so we know that he um understands and is is very powerful etc etc in the future but is it possible that he was testing Grogu that he didn't actually feel that it had to be an absolute choice but that he was just testing him it could be but I mean the way it was presented and set up like you know even with what Ahsoka was telling Din like you know he he shouldn't even like see you here you know like it, it just it's never that way. Like Jedi always had friends. There were masters and Padawans. <clears throat> Excuse me. There were masters and Padawans. Like Jedi had friends throughout the order. Like it was never. It never seemed to be an either or thing. I mean, Kaiyeti Mundi had wives. Like not just wife, wives. Plural. Like he had multiple uh-huh. wives. So I mean, like it's the way it was set up and portrayed. Even if it was like a test, like. Like, what is he testing then? Like, his resolve to train? Like, and and it's impossible, I suppose, Luke, you know, to for somebody to, you know, go and take care of something and then come back and finish training. I, I suppose it's impossible, right, Luke, who did this exact same thing, Right, Luke. right, exactly. Like, he did the exact same thing. <laughs> I do think that it was important to note that, like, Din's only going to live so long. And- oh, yeah that uh, Grogu's going to live much longer. Oh, yeah. Um, That's something I think I've been, like, that, feeling things about since season one. Yeah, and so we go into the point, or we get there, where um, we know that he chooses mm-hmm. to go with Din, and R2 flies him, so, like, okay. I'm glad we didn't have to see the conversation where uh, Grogu tells but 
simultaneously, like, I want to, I want to have been on a, a fly in the wall. I know, right? Know what he said and how that went, how that went down, because I've got questions. <laughs> I know, I just, uh, just so, so many questions. So, like, um, I know my husband noted that, um, at the end of the episode, like, you know, when he goes to fly away, like, he, he thinks that, uh, Din is gonna take Grogu back to Luke. I, don't know if he will or not. I mean, like, obviously, like, I like seeing them together. I don't know if maybe he'll bring him back and be like, you know, I appreciate him coming to see me, but, you know, I really feel like he should be here. I don't know. I don't know. But it was really great to see them together. And, you know, when he leaped into Din's, Din's arms, I was just, like, happy crying because it was just so adorable. Uh-huh. He, he obviously missed him so, so much. And... You know, I know that Ahsoka said that, you know, it's distracting to him, but it's like, you know, he could still visit him and, you know, be, you know, bond with him a little bit and then come back with the training. Like, there, there is absolutely no reason he can't. There, there really isn't. I mean, Jedi used to, obviously, you know, they used to take the little kids away from their families. They didn't really have any contact with them from birth, but, you know, they still had friends throughout the Order. They would still visit. Like, they, they even had friends outside of the Order. Like... You know, because uh, even in the prequels, like, Obi-Wan obviously was knowledgeable and had, like, some friends outside the Order in Coruscant. He had connections outside of that. So, I don't know. It just seems like a, they're painting the Jedi in a really weird light in um, in this new Disney Star Wars universe. And I, I, and I mean, I, I've never been, like, the biggest, biggest fan of the Jedi, but I really don't like the direction they're going with them but you know it's it's just like my personal my personal take on it all (laughs) all right so before we go too much further i do want to talk a little bit about gaming corner this week um i have thoughts i have things to say i have it's i don't know i feel this is very important so if you're in any kind of even adjacent to the gaming community, you know that there's been some really major shakedowns going on. Um, Sony obviously has had exclusives for a long, long time. That's been like one of their mainstays. Um, and uh, Microsoft has acquired quite a few different studios, especially lately, um, that are presumably probably going to be uh developing xbox exclusive games um that part has actually not been uh thoroughly confirmed like 100 percent as of yet i know that some future games are going to be cross-platform some have been confirmed to be xbox only uh we don't know like everything else um but obviously you know when when companies are um when companies are acquired like this, you know, it kind of does set the expectation that, oh, well, okay, so these future games are more than likely going to be exclusive. They may be, they may not be, but more than likely it's probable that they'll be exclusives. Um, and, you know, Sony, even um, before we could record this, Sony then made another acquisition of Bungie. So, you know, there's been a lot of going back and forth, a lot of, a lot of thoughts going on. Um, I do want to say... Um, if there's anybody out there listening who has been a, uh, 
Sony player, a PlayStation player, and you've been the kind of player, I'm not saying you are, but if you are the kind of player that has specifically rubbed it in Xbox players' faces that, oh, well, we have all these cool exclusives, and if you want to play these games, too bad, I guess you're going to have to get a PlayStation. And then once Microsoft acquired some major studios like Bethesda, like, uh, I believe they just acquired Activision and all of that stuff. Now, if you're saying that, oh, well, exclusives are bad, they're going to hurt the, you know, gaming community. Mm, I need you to go and take a long look at yourself in the mirror because that is absolutely hypocritical and bullshit. Um, not to say that I support exclusives at all. I think exclusives 100% hurt the gaming community, no matter what company they're exclusives for. But, you know, if all if you were all for exclusives all this time and all of a sudden exclusives are bad because the other company is having them now, no, absolutely not. No, mm -mm. You, you need to go take a long look at yourself in the mirror and your hypocrisy because honestly, exclusives are terrible overall. Like they they're not going to encourage competition. And as we all know, like, you know, competition breeds innovation. We saw what happened with the Monday Night Wars with wrestling and how it ended in the 90s and how it ended with a whimper in the early 2000s. And with so many wrestling companies going under, we are seeing a little bit of a, of a resurgence now with wrestling. But look how long that's taken. Look how long we have missed out you know, just years and years with only really one major wrestling company at the top. And look at what that's done to the product. Look at what that's done to the fans. You know, this is not something that we want in the gaming community. And this is not something that, you know, I really would like to see and support in the future. So, you know, obviously, you know, with the Microsoft uh, Microsoft's acquisitions, I don't want them all to be exclusives. And I would like Sony to open up their exclusives as well. I would like to see everything cross-platform because I know the idea is that, you know, they want people to buy their console. But the thing is, is like, especially in this day and age, there's not going to be as many people that are going to drop six, seven, eight hundred dollars on a console just to play a few games when they might drop sixty to seventy dollars to play a game. Like, you know, you're not going to get these marks of, oh, we well, we sold X amount of consoles, but you're going to be able to say, hey, we sold this many games like I, I don't know, like I. I'm just, I'm, I am very concerned. I really hope that this does not turn out like wrestling did. Um, and I, I really hope that, you know, we can see a lot more innovation and competition in the future, healthy competition in the future with, you know, gaming companies. Not going to hold my breath though. And to any hypocritical fans out there who, you know, were all on board for exclusives, for exclusives before, but now that it's the opposite company, hmm. I want you to take a long walk on for short pier. <laughs> like, that's just ridiculous. Sorry. So that that's it. That's my gaming corner. <laughs> and that that is, like, the little gaming rant that I have. So, Lindsay, any further thoughts about Boba Fett? Anything that we might potentially want to see out of a season two? Or beyond <laughs> that? Any additional uh, series? Oh, gosh, no, I... I feel like I am optimistic and excited about anything, really. Um, I know that there's still going to be that ah Ahsoka show, and mm -hmm. I'm excited to see the Obi-Wan Kenobi show as well. So yeah. <clears throat> I feel like there's just a lot of like opportunity in all those different realms to 
kind of bring everything together. I'm excited to see Obi-Wan Kenobi in this period of time. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like the, the little tidbits and the little, uh, little teasers that I've seen of like Hayden Christensen and Evan mm-hmm. McGregor uh, rehashing these characters makes <laughs> me like super excited. Um, and uh, I'm ready for, for the next thing already. And I know we just finished that episode. I know, right? So I'm, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I was one of those kids growing up who was not into Star Wars, and now I've got the startings of a rebel symbol on my right arm in a tattoo, so nice. I feel like this is exactly who I am and what I'm up to right now, <laughs> it's just watching the, uh, I never really got behind that, even though I was like always reading something else, I was reading Stephen King, or something so it's just very interesting to me that like now when they're drawing stuff from the eu into these shows and um keeping some of the source material but not all of it and Mm -hmm. all of that like i'm i am joyously optimistic that they're going to do the right things i'm scared out of my mind to see what um one particular character from Rebels looks like. I know they've cast him. I know that we've gotten sneak peeks of what he looks like, but I'm very scared. Um, and I can't remember his name. Thrawn. Thrawn. I, yes. I am very scared. I am very I'm excited. Very he is. I think. <laughs> I think I'm going to pee my pants. So I'm not going to see. Like I'm not even going to look for what I'm sure I can find on the internet because I'm scared. And oh yes. I'm going to keep it that way. Yes. No, Thrawn, obviously, like, but, like he's I'm, another character that I love. I'm joyously excited, so. you know? Like, I... Yeah. Yes. Well, what what I know of him from Rebels already scares, scares the garbage out of me. Like, mm-hmm. I, am, I am petrified of him because he is ruthless and intelligent and witty and awful mm-hmm. and terrifying. And I... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's all I got. I... To see live action versions of, of characters that I'm used to seeing animated is going to be what makes me like lose my mind uh, the next few years oh, yes. with Star Wars. Because, oh yes. Um, you know we've we've talked many many times about the things we can do with makeup and the things we can do with CGI and the mm-hmm. things that we can do with um, art and artists um, that are involved in these shows. And I continue to be blown away and in awe of their amazing talent as well as um, scared out of my mind of what I'm going to see in whatever the next show is. Like, I, yeah, I, I'm here for it. And, yeah, like, <laughs> that's all I got. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, I, I was also, like, a big fan of Thrawn as well in the Expanded Universe. And when they brought him back um, in Rebels, um, they actually brought back uh, the the original um, writer who created Thrawn and who inserted him into the expanded universe. Um, his name is Timothy Zahn and they actually brought him back and he wrote a brand new story um, and book for Thrawn, like basically reinserting him into the canon as well. So um, it's just called Thrawn. Um, so if you get a chance to read that, I highly recommend it. It's so, so very good. Timothy Zahn is a great writer. Um, but yeah, I, I am, I know like um, Ahsoka had mentioned Thrawn in The Mandalorian. And so now I'm interested to see like, you know, cause I know obviously she was going after him in some way. So like, uh-huh. we want to know like- What is she doing hanging out with Luke? And <laughs> exactly. Was she just, dang it. Like, was she just <laughs> hanging out? Was she just like taking a break? Like, you know, was she on vacation? I don't know. Um, 
And again, like nothing's been announced as far as like if there's going to be a season two of the book of Boba Fett. I I hope that there would be like because we we got that little teaser with Cobb Vanth and obviously we know that the huts are still around like even though they um they initially relinquished their hold because of the pikes like well now that the pikes are gone like what's going to stop them to from coming back in and you know trying to you know reassert their hold over it I I don't know like you know huts are huts are pretty underhanded you who knows what kind of loophole they might try to exploit so I don't know. I, I really, you know, again, like it, the book of Boba Fett, as much as I enjoyed it, you know, it felt like it was more like grasping at and connecting all of these loose ties. And, you know, I, I'd like to see more of Boba Fett being Boba Fett and not just connecting things in the universe and like acting as a segue for other series. I don't know. We, I guess we can see. I, I guess we'll see and we'll hope to see more of Boba. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> with that, I'm still Lindsay. And I'm still Tegan. And thanks for getting nerdy with us today on Beauties and Headcanons. Cannons.